0: Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode, entitled, He Has Given You This Message of Reconciliation, was given on January 27, 2019 by Bethany Shea in the series, From the Ashes. Uh, So, Tamara will be preaching for us today. She's going to be sharing God's word this morning. Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm so excited. I've never. This is. Yeah, come on up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pray over you. Uh, do you want the stool or are you just standing? I just need standing? a coffee
1: place. How about the stool for
0: the
1: coffee place? Yes.
0: Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so I'm gonna actually. Oh, I forgot to announce one more thing before I pray over you. Oh. So, oh, I'll do again then. then. Uh, and this is to record so we can throw it on the podcast so you can just let it go. Oh. Let it go. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to go on out the Memorial. Podcast, so Okay the <laughs> on our website. Um, so before, we, before I pray over uh, Tamara, I also wanted to point our attention to a, a bombing that happened this morning in a uh, Catholic church in the Philippines where over 20 people were killed um, and a bunch of people were injured. And, um, you know, it, when it hurts anyone, any of our, any human, really, it hurts the rest of us. And so... I want to be aware of that. We want to pray against those things as a community and pray that God's mercy and grace and coming soon quickly is, is here as well. So uh, will you open up your hands as a way of releasing this time before the Lord and receiving from God? Jesus, um, our hearts are heavy for our brothers and sisters in the Philippines. Um the unrest that is there, the fear that comes about from these sorts of things. So, Jesus, we pray for your peace over that place and over our lives. Jesus, we pray for healing in that community. We pray for those who are affected in a way that that I am not affected in the same way because I am not Filipino, and yet there is still this sense of connection that we all have as human beings. So I pray specifically for those who feel it even deeper than I could ever feel it. We pray for healing and for your grace. And Jesus, I thank you so much for Tamara for coming up here and giving a word from you for the rest of us. And so Jesus, as you speak through her, uh, I pray that we will each receive what your Holy Spirit has for each of us. That we are all um, individuals that are fully aware of you dependent on you, and interdependent on each other. So Jesus, in this moment, I pray that you will reveal to us what you need us to know and to be transformed by so we can live continual lives for your glory in this world. Our hands are open to release, and our hands are open to receive. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so hi everybody. I'm really excited to talk today. Actually, I feel like God is already on my side because this morning I was rushing to get here and I put this notepad on top of my car and I drove off and it stayed on top of my car until I stopped and it came down on my windshield and was perfectly together and nothing was missing. (laughs) I'm already uh, feeling good. God's God's in my pocket. Um, But honestly, I really, really appreciate this opportunity to speak to everyone here today. Um, You know, I've only been a part of this church for about a little over two years. And uh, Bethany and Jason really are very encouraging. And they've just, um, you know, I went to a rooted group, my second rooted group, Experience, And I expressed to them that I really have been having these thoughts in my heart and desires to share with everybody things that just, you know, come into my being. And um, both Bethany and Jason were like, all right, when do you want to talk? You know, when do you want to share? And I was like, what? Are you serious? This is amazing. Like, you don't normally get that, in my experience, at most churches. So... Um, just want to really thank you both, pastors of our church, and thank this church because it's so encouraging to be a part of a group of people who just really want to see your gifts and see it come out. And um, so, yeah, step out in your gifts too, see what'll happen. Okay. So, anyhow, uh, the other day I just uh, had this uh, sudden kind of sadness that came into my heart, and um, this is kind of where this talk came out of. Um, but Basically, it was a sadness that occurred because I've been having a lot of talks with my son Reese lately. And for those of you who may not know Reese, he's a six-year-old, so he's in first grade, and he goes to a local school. And um, he's just a very sympathetic, uh, s- sensitive, and empathetic boy. And um, we've been talking a lot because his friends and him all talk about how some of them don't believe in God. And Reese and I at home talk about how we do believe in God and we believe in a creator God and we believe in what the Bible tells us about God. And so we've been having a lot of interesting conversations about how most of his friends actually don't believe in God. And, um, you know, my first impression, I have to be honest, was to try to equip my son with intellectual arguments. <laughs> To convince his friends that they were wrong and um, that's me i'm a lawyer for those of you who don't know so i like to argue and i like to think of ways that we can um, nicely convince six-year-olds <laughs> that they're not in the correct way of thinking so we um came up with some talking points together and ways that we could convince his friends that god does in fact exist and some of those ways were, you know, what about the sun? Where does the sun come from? And the earth, it's a beautiful place to live. Where where does this all arise from? Did it just come out of nowhere? Obviously, I know about Big Bang and stuff, but, um, or, you know, those theories, the scientific theories, but I'm thinking, you know, appeal to these kids as the beauty they see in the world around them and ways that we can talk to them about that. But as I was kind of trying to analyze these arguments with Reese, I realized that this line of thought, this line of questioning that he was experiencing at school is something that he's probably going to deal with his whole life. Because the reality is that we believe in a way that's different from most of the people around us. And in fact, that's actually a common experience, I guess, for all of us, not just Christians, but people in general, that we have different beliefs different ways of thinking about the world around us. And all of these ways of thinking, these beliefs, lead to fear, anger, and the word that kept coming up in my heart was animosity, that we have animosity between ourselves because we don't believe the same way, we don't think the same way, and therefore we're kind of in a place where we're always at odds with one another. And this isn't just something that exists on a micro level. It's something or macro level. It also exists in a micro level. It exists in our families. It exists at home. It exists between spouses. It exists in between kids and parents. And it also is something that we take into the world with us even in the way that we treat the earth and the animals. So it's an animosity that's all around us. So, You know, as I was thinking about this, it just made me really sad. So it was a sadness that was at a fundamental level. Why can't we just all get along? You know, why can't we? We're humans, right? Why can't we just get along at this basic level of human experience, right? We, you know, we know we believe differently. We know we think differently, but there should be some level of you're human, I'm human. You know, that's humanism, right? We talk about that all the time. We can't, why can't we just understand each other? Why can't we just get along? So I was thinking just a lot about this animosity and where it comes from, and why do we have this, and why is it so troubling, and why does it cause this separation in religions, politics, racism? Why does it lead to racism and ultimately lead to war? So that kind of led me into scripture because I realized this all kind of started way back when in the Garden of Eden. And if you guys have your Bibles with you, I wanted to turn in Genesis 3, 8 through 19, and I'm looking for maybe a volunteer or two to read that section. I got a volunteer in the back over here. Okay, Genesis three eight through nineteen. So this is actually not the core passage of this uh, talk today, but to me this is where this whole, this is where the animosity began. Because in one fact, you know, God essentially put a curse out among the people. He made a curse between the man and the woman. He made a curse between the man and the earth, which is all men, all women. A curse between the, women, the woman, her offspring, and childbearing. A curse between the woman and the snake. It's just this big curse that is existing in the world at the very beginning of all creation that is just sort of over all of us, in a sense, to this day. So although there is sin in that moment, sin where the man and the woman don't listen to God, they eat the you know, apple, they turn away from God, God also puts a curse on the earth. But God's not done, and that's not the end of the story. Yeah. That only sets the stage for what I really want to talk to you about today, which is the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. So let's flip over to 2 Corinthians 5.16, and I need another volunteer.
2: 5.16? Yeah, you got it? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Just on the verse. Yep. Oh, no, sorry, 16 through 21. Okay.
2: So from now on, we regard no one from the worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to him, to himself, through Christ who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
1: Thank you. Let's just let that sit for a moment, and then I want someone else to read verse 18. again. Volunteers?
0: All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation.
1: Okay, someone for verse 19.
3: And it is that God was in Christ reconciled the world to himself. Not, not, my eyes are so, thin, not not imputing their trespasses to them, and has, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Okay, verse 20. Thank you. Therefore,
1: we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his
3: appeal through us. We implore you on Christ.
1: So, does anyone want to share? Is there any part of the scripture that's really jumping out at you, and you want to share something? Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. It's
2: it's strange. I've never thought of reconciliation as a ministry in its own right, as a a certain place where people can serve just by reconciling.
1: Totally. Thank you. Anybody else?
2: Or, or when
3: they really want to emphasize something, they repeat it. Yeah. And you see the word reconcile, reconciliation, over and over and over again.
1: Totally. I
0: like, I like how it says not counting people's sins against them. Mm. Like, if, if we can't recognize that we've been reconciled to God, how are we going to help other people be reconciled to God or to each other? You know,
3: like
2: that. Yeah.
1: Good.
3: I like the word. Uh this translation I read, they put restoration right
2: next
1: to reconciliation mm. during the time that's repeated and like sort of word. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah. You know, actually, that's interesting because this I didn't put this into my message, but that word appeal really stuck out to me. (laughs) And I was like, Like (laughs) exactly. No, exactly. Because the thing is, and I'm going to deviate a minute from my script here, but like, I know. Right. Um, But just that idea, the appeal comes after you've already been sentenced. You know, and the appeal is something that God is looking for us to make on the behalf of the our fellow human beings, and ourselves, and it's something that's happened after we've already been sentenced. We've already faced the judgment, so to speak, and the appeal comes when you're trying to overturn that judgment and get a better judgment. You know, so anyhow, that was a deviation, but that totally spoke to me. So this, uh, uh, that part, and other parts really jumped out to me um, actually a few weeks ago when Bethany focused on this verse as a portion of the sermon she did and that that verse 18 actually was the one that jumped out to me at that time that God who is reconciling us through himself to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation and I had the same reaction as you did basically that idea of the ministry of reconciliation Because here you see God reaching out to humanity, wanting to restore and reset the original relationship. Here you see God offering a solution to the curse by way of offering each and every one of us as a minister to his reconciliation. So right now I'm going to make a disclaimer because I'm a lawyer. And I'm not a theologian. (laughs) And the reason is, I don't know root words, right? I don't know the Greek. I don't know the Hebrew. But I just know what God speaks to me, right? I know what I hear when he talks. I feel that tug on my heart. And this one, this tug in particular told me, you were given a ministry of reconciliation. So what's my ministry of reconciliation? I'm just going to share that with you guys. Um, So this is how I see it. Um, I became a lawyer because I longed to connect to my people, and my people are the Six Nations Mohawk of the Grand River. That's a Canada tribe, and you see, I didn't grow up knowing my people or my ancestry. Instead, I grew up in a small town in Colorado, in a lot of ways like Humboldt County. So I was very separated, many degrees of separation were from me and an understanding of my people, my ancestry, my culture, my religion, my traditions of the Six Nations people. So when I grew up and I decided what I wanted to do in my life, which didn't happen until I was like 30, um, I decided that I wanted to do something where I could reconnect with my people in a meaningful way. And that's where I was led into the legal field. The problem is, however, I quickly discovered that I was jumping into a position and a place where I, I myself, truly represented the best and worst of both worlds. See, I'm also a Christian missionary because I was raised in the church, and one of the first things I felt called to be was a missionary of sorts. So I went on various missions trips when I was younger, and once I left college, I spent eight months living on the Hopi Indian Reservation, we also call Hopi Land, as a Christian missionary. Although I wasn't there so-called to evangelize, I was there to listen to people's stories, and ultimately my goal was to have that important conversation with them about, you know, what do you really believe? What do you really think? And hopefully have that heart to heart. I mean, that's why I was there. So, but the problem is, Christian missionaries were and are largely to blame for the brokenness that occurred in First Nation and Indigenous communities around the world, and Christian missionaries carried with them an imperative that they must save souls. The only way to save the soul was to kill the Indian, to rob him or her of their culture, traditions, languages, hairstyles, family structures, and communities, and integrate them into the dominant community. So here I am a person who is and was and still is a christian missionary yet deep in my heart i have a heart connection and a heart longing to also be a true lawyer who advocates for all indigenous people by seeking out justice and tribal sovereignty for tribal communities so i'm not really doing my job so to speak to convert People. I'm doing my job to further their interests, not my own. So here I am living in the tension, and I feel that tension. But this is my ministry of reconciliation. I live it each and every day, and day to day I do not really know actually how to hold the tension and the balance. But I do it by keeping my job and doing it in a zealous and competent way and trying to build bridges between people. Perhaps my journey will encourage each and every one of you because each and every one of us is uniquely called and, as the scripture says, to live out this ministry of reconciliation. In my opinion, this is the place where you stand in the gap because you are uniquely placed there and equipped to hold that tension. This is a tension that realizes that animosity still exists. The hurt, the fear still is there, but yet you believe and you look towards that mountaintop that Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of when he said he had been to the mountaintop and seen the promised land. He said he may not get there, but he sees it in the future. I, too, see that future, one where my Indigenous and First Nations brothers and sisters will rise up to claim their unique identity and destiny, not as broken people, but as people who will lead our country and the church back to its true identity under the Creator God. Jesus is our living ancestor who can show us the way. God, hasten that day. Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to open it up for thoughts. I don't know if we have time or whatever, just go ahead. You, thank you. I, I believe that, absolutely. Good. That's good. That's right.
3: I think, you know, like in the, I don't know exactly where, but like the big ministry gifts, you know, like pastor, apostle, all those things. Those are really <laughs> specific, like who God calls us to be in those types of opposites, but it's just really cool that every Christian is called to that ministry of reconciliation. Um, I love the phrase, hold tension. You know, yeah. that's going to stick with me forever. And, you know, face it, I like come to the four walls in the church you know uh-huh. but-
1: Absolutely.
2: Totally. Yeah. And also, you started with these who I um, I know personally, and I have three children myself, and I really, you know, pray and um, texted on Facebook to Pastor Bethany how I pray for all of us, you know, for our children, because we can be, you know, professing Christ and so forth, but really it becomes how can we continue to. enrich his life so that he could be an example to his kids that don't believe in his school. You know, yeah I with My daughter and my son and my other daughter, it's the same thing. They've come here five years ago and they sit and pray, and now they're starting to have those questions and to continue mm. to pray for that because they're going to live a legacy of uh, a different reconciliation than we might
1: have. Yeah, like, totally. And that's kind of No, I'm glad you pointed that out, because I think that's something I think is an unanswered question for me, is because I'm still asking my children to sort of carry on, you know, in a way, what I'm imparting to them, but they do also have their own ministry, and I think you absolutely are, we definitely have to equip our kids for that, and their own walk, and what that uniquely means.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors,
1: and loving each other.